Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Good Risings. I'm Liz Earnshaw, and this is Hash It Out. Today, I continue to be joined by Katherine Hurling, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist. And we are answering questions this week from listeners about neurodivergent relationships. And this is going to be parent-child, friendships, romantic relationships. But today, we're going to start with romantic relationships. And so today's question, Katherine, is... Dear Liz, can you give me some tips on managing conflict with my partner? My partner is neurodivergent and I am neurotypical, and I would love to know what we could do so that we can manage conflict in a way that works for us both. Any thoughts, Catherine? Oh, great question. Great question. I absolutely love being able to start with some more proactive things. Every relationship has conflict because we are inherently human. When there's a label of neurodivergence, it can feel a little daunting. And when I work my couples where there is neurodivergence within the relationship, I really work on destigmatizing and not putting the cart before the horse. We talk about little problems while they're little problems and being able to gain greater insight with each other, working on that train of thought and feeling comfortable in discussing, here's where my brain is. It doesn't always make the best sense to the other person in the moment, but that removes those assumptions, which is so incredibly important when it comes to neurodivergence. Because first of all, neurodivergence is a humongous umbrella and it is not a one size fits all. Even when you have the same diagnosis, it looks different and Everyone has slightly different quirks. Hearing somebody, so an example I can give is um, for someone who's on the spectrum, they can find it to be far too distracting if they hear a noise and that from like an overhead light. So one person, the neurotypical person could feel, oh, this person is not care, does not care about what I have to say because they're just staring at the ceiling when really they're just being overloaded and really need either that light to be turned off or to come to a different location. So being able to notice in the moment, hey, everything okay from the neurotypical person or even the neurodivergent person, you know, hey, I'm a little overstimulated. Can we either turn off that light or walk away? I'm feeling overstimulated and I just cannot concentrate right now. So incredibly important. Another really important thing is establishing routine. So if you have equal expectations saying, especially when it comes to rituals of connection, how are we going to check in with each other? How are we going to stay connected? That is so incredibly important, especially if you are of the neurodivergent variety where that consistency provides so much peace. Being able to say, I know that when we go to bed, we're going to check in with each other and we're going to you know, talk about what we're looking forward to in the next day. That provides 
an amazing sense of clarity and comfort and allows folks to say, okay, I trust that our relationship is solid here because every single night we do this, as opposed to with someone whose thought process is a little less black and white, being able to say, oh, well, they're just tired. It has nothing to do with me. So those are a couple of things that I start from the get-go, which really is not super different from my neurotypical clients, which throws people off. People assume, oh, there's like this magic formula when a lot of times it's just a heck of a lot of transparency. Yeah, using your curiosity and your willingness to really see the other person as another person. And I know we talked about that yesterday, but it's it's like, again, these tips are universal. Slow down together and try to understand where your partner's coming from. And a lot of the things that you mentioned is kind of like assuming the best at the core of it. So expressing needs when they're little problems. Like if you assume the best of your partner, you're gonna be more likely to do that. Because if you assume the worst, you're like, oh, they're not gonna care anyway. They're gonna, and, and then you blow up. If you're clarifying things, it's because you assume the best. You assume that your partner is going to clarify with you, right? If you're using misunderstandings to understand them. Again, all of these things are about, I'm assuming that my partner is a wonderful person who I love. And because of that, I'm going to engage with them. And I'm gonna engage with them, trying to understand them, trying to bring up my thoughts, my concerns, and, and being transparent, like you said. Yeah, and I said this last time too, some psychoeducation, learning. What are some things that are challenging? And then also, if your partner feels comfortable with it, your neurodivergent partner, being able to ask, what parts are challenging for you? Is eye contact hard for you? Is lighting hard for you? Is Do you sometimes get overstimulated by sound? What are some things that, that are triggers for you? Also allows for even greater openness and transparency and communication. And you can also say, you know, here are some strange, well, not, maybe not strange, but here's some quirks for me, you know? I don't like my t-shirts folded any other way, but this way. This conversation is bringing up a thought for me, which is that having the opportunity to talk about neurodivergence in relationships, I think gives people an opportunity to think about what they should be doing in relationships anyway. So this is just a conversation that we're having because of, I think, kind of relational breakdowns where it's like, my partner has ADHD and because they have ADHD, I don't know what to do with them. But the way to navigate your partner with ADHD is the same that you would navigate a partner who doesn't have ADHD. That's the hard part here. But it means that you have to be open to something that you don't truly understand. And I think sometimes when people are similar to us, we forget that there's a lot about them that we don't understand, but we should do that anyway. We should be asking questions, even with the people that we quote, understand how they tick, we should be asking questions. We should be saying, how do you like to deal with conflict? Or I understand that text messages really triggers you, so I'm not gonna send them. I'll make sure that we talk. Or I know that if I talk to you at the end of the day, it's really gonna be too much. You're gonna be too tired. So I'm gonna make sure that I talk to you when you're more awake. These are the types of conversations we should be having no matter what. Mm -hmm. And for some folks, they believe it should be intuitive. You should just 
know these things. And that is another challenge I see with my neurodivergent clients and any kind of relationships that one partner saying they should know that this means I'm upset and being able to take a step back and really say, okay, being upset looks different for different people. It looks even more different when you are neurodivergent. So now we are going to be extra transparent and we're gonna talk through this so that then when you are in distress and you need something from your partner, they know what to do and they don't have to, to doubt, they don't have to guess and you don't have to feel resentful because they're just not getting it. I love this, this is all great. So the biggest takeaway for me is transparency that the more transparency there is on both sides, the better, the less there's going to be assumptions that are incorrect, and the more that people can be successful for each other. They can really show up for each other because everything's been laid out on the table and it's clear. Yes, especially because when we are in conflict, we already aren't our best selves. Let's talk about this now so that when there is inevitable conflict, we know what that's going to look like and we know how we're going to get through it together. Catherine Hurling is a licensed marriage and family therapist and is joining me this week from A Better Life Therapy. We are talking about relationships, but we are specifically talking about relationships in which one or both people are neurodivergent and ways that you can have those relationships thrive. Tomorrow, we're gonna be answering a question about ADD, somebody submitted. And so make sure you tune in tomorrow to hear Catherine's answer to the question. I'm Liz Earnshaw, and I am the author of I Want This to Work. You can find me on Instagram at Liz Listens. Thank you so much for listening to Good Risings. We love to hear from you. So please take a moment to leave a review. Until next time, love on your loved ones. And when that gets hard, tune in to me to learn how to hash it out. Good Risings is presented by Cavalry Audio. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.